Welcome to the Guitar Teaching Business Podcast. Today I'm going to be continuing on with the obviously the topic of the day, which is the coronavirus, COVID-19 as it's being called now. And the question that I've been given that I'm going to start with is, what does COVID-19 mean for my business? All right, so I'm just going to dive in. I'm not going to get do the usual introduction because I just want to get straight into it. So as a guitar teacher surviving in business over the next three to six months, it's going to be a challenge. There's no doubt about it. We don't want to kid ourselves here. Um, what we're seeing is a once-in-a-lifetime event. The main threat is our medical systems becoming swamped due to the exponential rise in people needing to be hospitalized all at once. Some experts believe that 50% or more of the population will be will be in a position where they get the virus and of those around 15 percent or more will need a hospital need a hospital bed at some point this is really going to push our medical services to the limit to give you kind of an extreme understanding and by all means i i I'm not trying to scare you and I don't uh, I really hope this doesn't happen and I think most people don't don't want this to happen of course um, but we just need to look at worst case scenarios in business one of the things that I've learned is that when you look at worst case scenarios you're always going to be much better prepared for them so in the US as an example there are 1 million hospital beds 700,000 are occupied at any given time leaving about 300,000 beds available the attending physician of Congress in the U.S. predicts that up to 150 million people could become infected, of which 15 to 20 percent will need to be hospitalized. That number takes means 30 to 10 to 30 million people. Um, so, if 80 percent of those millions of cases end up meaning hospital beds at the same time in the in the U.S., this means millions of beds which simply they simply don't have. If we can slow down the spread over, say, a two-year period, instead of 10 million beds being required at any one time, it could give more like 500 beds at any one time to 500,000, sorry, to a, to a million, which is manageable. They can handle that. Then there's the problem of the lockdowns, which will potentially cause millions of people to lose their jobs and many businesses to go into liquidation. Even if you're not immediately affected, you will almost certainly feel it at some point. Students are going to drop out of lessons due to job losses or business closures or simply from a loss of income. And in some cases, they just don't want to learn online. They want to learn in person. And if that's not going to happen, they're just not, not going to do it. So, so you're going to get that. There's going to be a certain number of people who have got that, who are in that situation. So it's important to find the balance between concern and optimism. Throughout my 35-odd years in business, whenever I was in trouble, I found it was important to be realistic and honest about my situation, not to kid myself. We have to be positive, but at the same time, deluding yourself about the reality of the situation is very dangerous, actually. A common example is where a business owner will have, say, mounting debts, yet refuses to look at the books. They, they don't want to see what the real numbers are. They try and hide from them. They ignore them. They pretend that they're, they're not that bad. So they do everything they can to avoid it. And, and I was personally guilty of that myself some years ago. I'm talking probably 20 or more years ago now, where I had a school of about 450 students, yet I was losing money. I kept finding new ways to generate more income but I was not making a profit. I was just adding to the problem. I was expanding my problems. So when I eventually reached a point where I was obviously in serious financial trouble, 
I was forced to accept the reality. I had no choice. This was a hard and painful lesson, but you know, the the lesson was this. Always look at your challenges face on and always always be looking ahead and and always look at worst case scenarios. Don't be afraid to look at worst case, case scenarios. A lot of people that you know, it's great to be positive, it's great to be optimistic. I'm those things, but I'm also realistic and I'm also willing to look at the bad news. I'm I'm, I'm not going to close my eyes off to something that's going on that's obviously a problem. There's a there's a truck coming. I'm not just going to pretend it's not there running coming towards me. I'm going to I'm going to look to see what's coming and move out of the way. So it's better to be too paranoid at times than too easygoing. And this is one of those times where it's better to be a little bit on the paranoid side. Don't be too paranoid. Don't you know, don't go over the top, don't panic. Be rational, be calm, uh, but be a little bit paranoid and look for what it is that potentially could happen. All right. So here's the thing. This is this we need to look at it from both sides. So I've kind of going to the bad news, but when we look at our challenges face on, we're really in a in a better position to understand them, which actually has the effect uh, you know, ironically of increasing our confidence and making us more calm and more relaxed. The reality of our current situation as I said is there there are going to be economic hardships ahead. But there are also going to be some massive opportunities come out of this. Many people will will rethink their lives and their priorities. Some of those people are going to change course, and that course might very well be learning guitar, and it might be learning guitar in, in different situations. You might up. You, 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 we just don't know. We just don't know the opportunities that are going to be that are going to come out of this. But I can be absolutely assured that there will be lots of opportunities coming. My very wise stepfather once said to me, as a teenager. Um, that during hard times, there are two businesses that tend to thrive. Now, he was he was a guy who was born back in the war and his parents went through the war. So, you know, he, he, he knows a thing or two about dealing with a crisis. You can imagine that people went through the war, uh, Second World War, First World War, how worried they were, the concerns about you know, food and, and safety and so forth were all, you know, things that we're experiencing today. In my mind, they were a lot worse back then because, you know, war is a pretty horrible thing. So the two things, the two businesses that he said that tend to thrive were food and entertainment because people have have to eat. They always want to eat uh, and they, they really need to be entertained. Even during the World War II Blitz in London, I remember reading somewhere people would, would actually dress up and go to the theater. They would go out, they'd go to parties. They would just live, try and live a normal life and try and do these things. They, they really knew it was important to stay upbeat, to laugh and to be distracted from the horrors of war. But they, you know, they, they knew what was going on. They were being realistic, but at the same time, they wanted to be entertained and distracted. So it, I know it's a bit of a, a con, uh, you know, uh, contradiction but they really uh, you know they're facing the fact that they're at war they're facing the war head on they took it on but at the same time they made sure that they they enjoyed themselves so we may even see more people taking up guitar in the coming months it's quite possible um, especially if people are going to be isolated at home my guess is that learning a musical instrument will be one of the most popular choices for people in isolation if you think about it what are you going to do watch TV play games read books uh, you know after a while those kind of things 
there are extra hours in the day. There, there are, it's going to get boring. So why not challenge yourself? Why not learn something? And especially people who have always wanted to learn guitar, but they just felt they didn't have the time. Their lives have been too busy. I think this is going to, we're going to see something special come out of this. I have no doubt about that. All right. So another question is whether online teaching will become the norm or not. In-person lessons have been really the standard way of teaching guitar with online learning being a fairly recent invention. I don't mean learning from online videos. I'm not, ref- I'm not referring to people just sitting down watching YouTube videos. I'm, talking, I'm referring to, to learning online with a teacher, so you, you're webcamming. It's been possible really for at least 20 years, probably longer, and teachers uh, have been having great success with it. There are some teachers, uh, not, not many, but you know there, there are teachers who are doing it. Most teachers have really concluded that I speak to that online lessons have too many negatives. You can only see the student from one camera angle. There are sound latency issues, internet connections, computers crashing or slow, etc. So these things tend to hold them back. But when you're forced into a situation, things can change. Experience also tends to breed creativity. In other words, when you just dive in or forced to dive in as now and start teaching online, you will initially have to deal really with the the problems just mentioned, but over time you'll find solutions. I and many of my clients went through a process of adaption when transitioning from teaching privately to teaching in groups, and I remember it well. At first it was really difficult, but with every lesson I found it got easier as I discovered solutions to each challenge. After a while, I found myself preferring group teaching and eventually I stopped uh, private lessons altogether. In fact, when I started G4 Guitar, it was group really from the word go. And the exception was the intro I, I, and I still promote that and that's to do a five-week intro one-on-one just to get to know the student. And you can do that with your online lessons as well. Just do uh, a one-on-one with the student for a few weeks, at least you know a couple of weeks to get to know them, get to sort of comfortable with them and then introduce them into the group. Another thing that I see here is that some students are a bit nervous about joining groups. They don't want to sort of dive in there. It's 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 not a it's not that they don't like group teaching or even are familiar with. It. They're just nervous about it. They're nervous about being in a situation with other people. Whereas people have this thing about being online where they feel a little bit safer. They feel a little bit more distant. They can hide a little bit more. So I would my this is just my feeling. My guess is that going into a group online is going to feel safer and and less intimidating to many students than in person so that's something to think about and I, th- I see that as as an advantage so if you're going to not only survive but thrive in these times you'll need to adapt and adapt quickly at this stage that means adapting to online lessons at least in the short term this isn't just about how to over you know it's not just about comparing the, the, the person in personal lessons with online lessons. It's about discovering the advantages of online lessons. And I'm just going to go through a few here. But as you know, I've, I've just already given you one advantage there, and that's the, the intimidation factor. Students not feeling as intimidated. But next one is convenience. So students, they don't need to travel to and from lessons, which for the average student involves uh, about 30 minutes of travel. So 15 minutes there and 15 minutes home and parking the car and all that. For some students, it's more time than that, but that's that's a rough average. You know, it, The next thing is it's easier for parents. Many parents find it a struggle to get their child to and from lessons, especially if there's a sibling they need to take care of 
or other things that they need to do. They need to prepare dinner. Uh, they've got they've just got other things that they need to do. So it can be difficult for them if they there's that. There's not only the time getting to the lesson, it, the preparing for the lesson, getting their child organized, getting them to get their guitar and and, and get their shoes on and their whatever and get in the car and then drive there and then drop them off and then somehow kill half an hour while the child's having a lesson and then get back in the car and come back home. So you can see that it really takes, uh, you know, half the afternoon, if we're talking after school, it takes up half, if not a, a a major portion of their afternoon getting their child to, to and back from lessons. So this can be a real a real uh, boon for, for parents to not have to go through that. So the next one is videoing lessons. When you're online recording the lessons, it's easy because everything the student uh, saw in the lesson is captured. Videoing at, you know, in person is, is difficult by comparison because when students are in the class, you really need a professional camera person then moving around the room to capture the different angles and the different views. But where when you do it on on a computer, this what they're seeing, you, you know you're always looking into the camera and you're monitoring the camera because you're looking at the screen. So you're seeing that your guitar and your movements and, and so forth are in it caught in the shot. So yeah. So it's perfect. It's it's easy. It's done. There's also more control. This is something that we don't often think about. When teaching a group, especially having the ability to mute, I'm talking about in groups here, so having the ability to mute students and bring students off and on as you like, uh, rather than when you're in a classroom and everyone's sort of playing together and there's interruptions and people are asking questions and talking and playing what they shouldn't. Here, you can just solo out students. They can keep doing what they're doing. And they're also less likely, this is another real benefit of it, there's less likely to be this cross interaction between the students so students talking to each other crossing i know that's that has its benefits as well but when you're running a half an hour group and the thing's moving quickly that can be a a real uh problem because they start taking up a lot of time so in this environment the online environment you have a lot more control over that so you can stop that that happening and then you you know if they want to be friends and carry on and, and and so forth after that you can still promote that through other means they can have a group where the students can interact they can see each other you know they remember who who each other are from their groups etc all right and one more uh, advantage here is online tools there are now so many tools available from ear training programs to site reading to videos uh, etc that can be used sharing links and tracking student progress by these various tools it's going to really help you to leverage your teaching it's going to give you a lot more power in what you're doing so because often what we we're, we're doing is that we're teaching we may even recommend tools but because we're teaching in person unless we take them to the computer and show them how it works which which you can do of course they're unlikely to use them but when they're at home and you're you've set up the tool and you get them to set up their login they're kind of forced to do it then they, they're more likely to use those tools and use those programs and they're more likely for you know you can do screenshots where you can show them how how it's used they can watch you you doing it and so forth so there's all these uh extra you know, there's there's a bunch just there, and I'm sure if we really thought about it, we could come up with another six or seven uh, advantages to to learning online. And you really need to to start to embrace this and look for ways. 
to, to the point where you're almost where this is better than in-person learning. I can see it, it, it possible where that you could do a certain amount of your learning online or your teaching online, and then you could do a certain amount in person. So you're kind of getting best of both worlds because there's still obviously great advantages to teaching online and in, in person, or sorry, teaching in person, uh, but there are advantages on both sides, as you can see. All right, so let's talk about what we can do to set you set you up for success during the current crisis instead of business as usual what i what i think is you should aim to turn your studio more into an online community really a beacon of hope for the for the students and and the you can become more than just a guitar studio more teacher studio you can be producing this kind of exciting fun content that that other people want to be involved in as well because remember Another advantage, if I just go back to the last one, another advantage is just coming left, right, and center, is that it's easier for them to invite friends and it's easier for them to share with their friends what they're doing because now it's online and now you've created this kind of social online platform. Online is always easier sharing than, you know, you can't take your physical class and share it with people, whereas you can take an online class and you can say, hey, this is my online class. All right, so create a Facebook group and allow your students to interact with you and other students. Also explore the apps they like, such as TikTok uh, is, is a good example. My 11-year-old daughter and her friends, they're using this app called Scratch. I don't know how popular it is, but it's definitely popular amongst her friends. Um, so that's for the younger age group. I think that's really probably 8, 9, 10, 11, that sort of age. Uh, yeah, so that's called Scratch. Have You can check it out. And they again, they can do things and they can share things on it. And I think it's really well set up to avoid any kind of you know predator types getting on there or doing things so they can still take photos and and put those up there but i just think they have a lot of tools to protect them i think it's all there's all public there's no private messaging so so somebody can't come in and and say hey you know i'm come and meet me privately it's all done online so everything's captured in front of everybody which is a good thing to do all right so you know, here's another idea. You could have fun by publishing student videos or get students to share their favorite songs that feature guitar or set them a task. Something like, you know, finding a 1960s rock song that features a guitar solo, play it on a Gibson guitar, or three songs featuring a guitar song recorded in 1984. So you can see that I'm kind of taking three parameters there. Um, you you could also have them have a listening hour where you invite students on a call and play them songs from different players, giving them some some history on the guitarist. You could play the song for them as well. You could show them the key that it's in. You could just talk about the song generally. Uh, you know, show them a scale that they can solo over and things like that. Show them a simple part of a song that even a beginner, someone who's they've been learning for for six or eight weeks could could have a go at things like that just you know and for different levels here we go and when i used to run workshops that's the kind of thing i would do i would i would create a workshop say a stairway to heaven workshop where i would teach the song uh, fairly quickly over an hour and a half i would just i wouldn't spend lots of time on things i wasn't teaching the solo uh, i was teaching the main part of the intro teaching some of the chords and strumming so i wasn't detailing the song i was just giving them what i could manage in an hour and a half but but I was also doing it in a way where I was showing even people who who had been learning. I think at that time you had to be you you had to be at least level two, 
but there were things that I could give them to do, simple chords or playing the, the intro in the open position instead of barring it further up or using a capo. So there's just different different ways that you can bring in beginner students. So these ideas really turn music into a game of discovery and might even be fun to do with their parents. So if if you're going back to the the parents' era, if their parents are you know 40 year you know 50 year olds, whatever in that sort of 30 to to 50 year bracket, which is where most parents are aged, then if you go back to the songs of their era, they're more likely to know them and to enjoy doing these little challenges with their students. And you could even say, this is something you can do with your parents together. You, you've got to go and find, like I said, a song uh, from the 1960s that features a Gibson guitar. Um, just any Led Zeppelin will cover that. All right, so these ideas are just a few of, of you know, hundreds of ideas that you can, that you can come up with. There's, a, there's really is a, is an infinite number of, of ways you can make it fun and create challenges for your students. The next thing is is not to be afraid to put your face on YouTube. Not all material has to be exclusive to your students. If you create a YouTube channel and host your own weekly show, then you can open it up to anybody. It doesn't have to be just you teaching them how to play guitar. You could include uh, you know student interviews, guitar player reviews. Uh, you could interview other. Yeah, teachers, especially if you're a G4 teacher, interview another G4 teacher and, and ask them you know ideas that they have um, about their teaching, about the challenges that they help students with. Um, you know, have some videos that you know you could do a video review, so you can you can watch reviews of other people's YouTube videos, other people who are out there running their own channels, and do a, a re- review of that. Um, you can review famous guitar players. You can review famous bands, songs. You can, you know, you can highlight get highlights from your lessons. Uh, you know, give advice to parents and so forth. Now, there's a guy called Rick Beto. His name B E A T O. Just think beat and the O. Rick Beto. Um, that's the kind of concept. Check him out. He's very popular, especially amongst more sort of intermediate to advanced musicians, professional musicians. He's a He's a very smart guy. He's got lots of ideas and, and lots of experience. And he's someone that, that he'll show you how to do it. Just watch him. Watch how he does it and talks about all different subjects. Now, he's he's aimed more at the professional musician. You know, you just got to aim for your audience. Whatever your audience is, if it's beginner students, aim at that. If you're a G4 teacher, aim at G4 uh, type students you know the kind you can refer to our materials you can give ideas on the way to practice certain exercises etc so just remember to target at your audience all right uh so what i'm going to do here in, in the last part of this is just go to our we've, we've basically got a facebook page and i'm going to give you some ideas of what people are discussing here and I'm just I'm just gonna this this is completely random. I'm just gonna go through the posts and some of the discussions we're having. Um, so one teacher here's posted about how he's making videos, and he said to check out the software called Handbrake, and that's just as it sounds: H N H A N D B R A K E Handbrake, and it's available for Mac and Windows, and it basically compresses the videos which keeps it at a high quality, but makes it quicker to upload. And it's free, I think. I'm pretty sure it's a free program. So yeah, check that out, Handbrake. So next one here, teacher's asking about teaching the groups online. He's got some concerns about whether or not 
it's going to work. He's talking about the negatives such as, you know, not being able to have everybody at the same time and latency, etc. So basically what I've responded with is this. If we take the extreme case of five people on the same call, you are going to need to, uh, well, you're going to only allow one person to play a talk at a time. And that, that's fine. Having run plenty, now, now I'll, before I say that, you, you, you can have them all playing at the same time, but you only want one coming through that you can hear at any given time. All right, so having run plenty of Hangouts, I found the best way was to mute everyone and unmute them when you instruct them to play or talk. If you explain this from the start, it should be fine. When it comes to playing along together, I would have one student playing unmuted and the rest playing along uh, muted. So if you give each student a turn unmuted, then you'll be able to give each uh, each one some feedback and the others can listen to the feedback so they can all kind of benefit from that, the feedback that you're giving. All right, so th you know this is gonna take uh, some adjustment. Um, but if you're if you're concerned that students are not getting a high enough quality experience, do a one-on-one -on -one with them online as an extra. The important thing is to be flexible and creative. Most students will be fine if they can see you are going above and beyond to ensure they're getting, you know, what they're paying for. The huge advantage we have is. And this is for G4 teachers. The huge advantage we have is, is the method. It's easy to instruct students to practice certain exercises and to keep tracking their progress. So even if you're not using G4, if you're using your own method or you're using a method of some description, just make sure that the student has all those materials already because there's nothing worse than sort of flipping around trying to find things. If you, if you have it all together and you know exactly where you're going to send students, then it's easy for them. So look, I think the upside to all this is it gives us a chance to test out teaching in groups online. I'm not suggesting online will be anywhere near as good as in person at this point, um, but we are likely to see a rapid improvement in online learning technology. And as a result, uh, it, it, it may even become a better option. And, and I mentioned this before, many great breakthroughs in technology have come as a result of a crisis. Sometimes it takes a crisis to push for improvements. Don't be surprised if you see some amazing new software developments around virtual communication soon. For us musicians, the big drawback is not being able to play together. If they can work that out, it's, it's really going to be a game changer. So... Uh, Derek here has responded, uh, very true. Musk Star's link is supposed to be incredibly low latency, I believe. Uh, not sure where that is at, but you're right. We don't know when the technology will come around, but it could be soon. Okay, this feedback comes from a teacher, Shane, in the US. Uh, he said, yesterday I tried my first Skype lessons and it went pretty well. The attendance of the day was surprisingly high given that there are now multiple positive cases in my town. 13 classes, mix of groups and intros, and only two no-shows. 13 classes and only two no-shows. That's pretty, pretty good. I mean, we're talking, I don't know, 60, 70 students. Um, I set up a link using the Meet Now function in Skype, sent it to all my students, and left it open for the whole day. I had one group of kids where two kids showed up in person and one kid showed up on video. I just ran it like a normal lesson. I had one adult turn up online with her two classmates. Uh, no, there were no shows, so that made it easy to do a one-on-one -on -one lesson on Skype. I'd love to hear other people's experiences. Okay, so that was a, a, 
it sounds like a great success to me. It sounds like he's he's definitely, and this is the this is what I'm getting back. I'm getting a lot of positive feedback from the teachers. Um, so yeah, okay, one more, uh, and this is from Derek. He posted a looks like a YouTube video called Nine Things That Ruin Skype Lessons," and you might want to look that up. Nine things that ruin Skype lessons, and he recommends it. He said, check it out. It's it's definitely worth looking at. Okay, so the I'll give you more of these as they come through. I'll try and post again before too long, do another podcast, but hopefully this has been helpful for you. And look, stay motivated, stay positive. We've got a long way to go on this to get through this, but together, let's get creative. Let's come up with ideas. Let's keep, keep ourselves inspired. Let's keep our students inspired. Let's really take... Uh, a lead on this in the community, in your community, be, like I said, a, a, a beacon of hope and a beacon of support for those who are in in your your community. Make guitar learning the thing. Get, now that people are going into isolation, they've got more time to practice. They, get, they, they can get more into it. They'll probably be looking forward to their lessons. They may even want to do, do it more often. It, it, we, we just don't know where this will go and we don't know yet how many great opportunities are going to come out of it but like i said we just know that there are going to be some great opportunities so let's keep an open mind and keep positive and i will speak to you again soon thank you again for listening to the guitar teaching business podcast my name is david hart if you have any questions please feel free to message me if you want to check out our website it's g4guitaronline.com thank you again